Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. Bad Philosophy, episode 102, recorded on September 4th, 2011. AI Troopers. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad philosophy. Upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time. I am your host, Stephen Torrance, and we're back once again for episode 102. I have absolutely no idea why I just gave the intro like it was all in quotes. <laughs> you were quoting yes, yourself. You were doing from the it future. ironically. I was doing it ironically. Upsetting the quote, balance of reality. Uh, here on the show today, we have some guess the first of whom is as always has or has been frequently the case recently sitting next to me here kevin saunders welcome back to the show my friend hi uh okay he's he's doing other things on google or reddit Reddit, actually which is so much more interesting than google um also joining us uh once again uh coming off the High of uh, last week's 30th birthday, Kiki Cannon, now a week and 30 years old. How's it feel? It feels sick. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that has to do with the birthday or the fact that I'm just sick, but um, All right. it's not feeling too good. Well, I think we've got somebody here who might be able to cheer you up. Simon Ponder is back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, sir. I don't know what I'm going to do to cheer Kiki up, but uh, you just flush yeah, the toilet. I don't know either. Just I mean, flush the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it sound like you're just flushing all of her problems away. How's that? Absolutely. Okay. That's, what, that's what goes down the toilet is all of our problems. All of our problems. So that we can ingest more problems. Uh, anyways, sorry, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting distracted again. Simon, what are you up to recently? Are you still in the uh, San Antonio Clear Channel scene? Still in the San Antonio Clear Channel heaven. Actually, uh, mm. got to go shoot the UTSA's first football game yesterday. And oh, fun. Did they win? They won. The students, oh. you know, ru- rushed the field, got, saw several of them get clotheslined by police officers. Wait, one what? They, they rushed the field in their opening game? Yeah. That was the first game. In wow. their you know, ninety-year school history, and they're excited. You know, they've been wanting football forever and never gotten it. Wait, this is their first it. football season. Period. They've, yeah, they period. rushed the field on not just the first game of the season, but their first football game ever. Well, they won. Yeah. They were excited. Yeah. It's only yeah. their first game, though. <laughs> and now they have a perfect record, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, Something they're, they're worth undefeated. celebrating. They're undefeated in their school history. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did see one kid get naked and run around, so it was it was fun. All right, I bet that made for some uh, for some juicy YouTube videos for the uh, for the old blog, eh? You know, I was I was amazed. Um, honestly, I, don't, I can barely get my pants off when I'm standing still, but he <laughs> pulled them off while running. So wow, uh, that's he must have experience. <laughs> You don't um, practice that sort of stuff. <laughs> streaking from the cops, obviously. You, you never did that? Well, no, I'm saying you, you need to practice. Oh, All good streakers okay. practice. Okay. <laughs> Running across their backyard, tearing their pants off. Why do you think tearaway pants exist? <laughs> Saturday Night Live? Uh, yeah, that's, or, you know, other sketch comedy. Anyways, 
So Simon, actually one of the uh, one of the reasons why we're today's show is going to be all about artificial intelligence is because you recently signed up for a class on the subject um, taught online by what is it Stanford? Yeah, Stanford University. There's there's two ways to take the class. I'm taking it the basic way, and there's a, a, another option which I guess allows you to like I don't know count it as a college course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already enrolled in school, and I don't think I can handle a Stanford class along with my regular coursework. So, hmm. so you know. it's it's ostensibly about uh, what I mean. Is it about is it kind of looking at artificial intelligence conceptually uh, as something that can be implemented? Yeah, you know, where, where's it coming? Is it talking about a primer course? Like is it just is sort it, of like I, here's I, everything? Is it engineering I, or or philosophy derived? I think it's a basics course. I think it's really you know, this is what artificial intelligence is. It's um, taught by the robotics department at Stanford. Oh, uh, so um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty engineering focused then. I, I'm guessing. Yeah, and so they've got. I'm, I'm looking at the course syllabus right now, and uh, you've got image processing and computer vision, uh, logic and logical problem solving the Markov decision process and reinforcement learning. Oh, it's going to be boring as hell, man. I, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> and I, well, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'll see what it is. Um, and then whatever was this adversarial planning and belief space, space planning. Huh? Okay. Now that starts to sound interesting. So, I mean, he's got a lot of, a lot of stuff. Okay. And, you know, one of the things I kind of wanted to jump into first, because we haven't done, really haven't talked about artificial intelligence in about 100 episodes. Um, we, we haven't? I can't believe that. That seems well, wrong. Okay, we, we may have touched on it, but as a, as a show topic, I believe that was the first uh, and only time that we've had it as a show topic was like episode two or so. Um, also, the massive tags we have. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I don't often use our website, so let's see if we can actually do this. I don't often use our website, but when I do, when I do. search the massive tags. <laughs> oh, I knew it was coming. Okay. We, well, okay, so the only two times we've had artificial intelligence as a tag have been in episode one, Hello, Every Welcome, and episode 92, Lulzsec Flame Bay. So we just did it. We can skip it. So we did. Wow, well, okay. <laughs> Let's actually just talk about Jonathan Colton's new album. What? What? Artificial yeah, that's right. Heart. Artificial Heart is out. It's dropped. Of course, by the time you listen to the episode, it'll probably be old news. But it's right now. It's has high marijuana availability. I'm just. I'm reading right. Like this is just something to fill space on my computer. Um, well, I mean, whether you get high and listen to it or not is up to you, obviously. But one way or the other, it's a fantastic album. Um, I, you know, not quite, in my opinion, not quite as good as some of Jonathan Colton's other work, but musically, it's much, much more sophisticated. So you it's, say that, and and I'm tempted to agree with you on the first listen, but okay. it's one of those things that I think perhaps the songs aren't quite as gimmicky as his standout hits. Okay. Um, you know, Baby Got Back with a Guitar... Hits you immediately. Code Monkey hits a lot of people really immediately. Skullcrusher Mountain. Yeah. These sort of things that he developed over Thing a Week, and you know, of maybe ten songs out of fifty, mm-hmm. sort of hit you with that sort of that 
quick reaction, the good for a laugh, that draws you into all this other stuff. Yeah. Whereas with Artificial Heart, I think, <clears throat> now I'm thinking about it, is more kind of a mix of that sort of stuff. There's two, maybe three songs that I think that have that sort of catch to them, mm-hmm. that hook. And then a lot of the other stuff is the same sort of stuff he written before. Sort of witty, sort of funny. Um, like I said, with this, it's, it's higher production quality because you've got a full band, so that's kind of nice. Yeah. And it was, of course, produced by John of They Might Be Giants. Right. Not the other, that one. The other one of the John. One of the Johns. <laughs> Not that one, the other one. Not yeah. that John. Um, the, one with, uh, the one with the glasses, although they both actually wear glasses. Yeah. Just not on stage. <laughs> okay. John Linnell, who's the one who doesn't wear glasses, is extremely nearsighted. And wears glasses when not performing. Okay. Fun fact about They Might Be Giants. But John Flansberg is the one who produced it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's it definitely sounds well-produced. Um, I just I probably need to listen to it a few more times before, uh, before it'll grow on me. Um, but speaking of artificial things, let's get back to the topic of the day, which is artificial intelligence. And I, I kind of wanted to open up with uh, an interesting article that, that struck me. Uh, recently. I think it uh, came via, yeah, IO9. Um, IBM's neurosynaptic chips are the closest thing to a synthetic brain yet. Uh, so the article talks a little bit about IBM, how IBM has been developing this, uh, this synaptic model type architecture uh, for this, this special new type of, of chip. They call it, um, their eventual goal is a human scale cognitive computing system. Um, but the, the idea is, you know, computer processors, as, as sophisticated as they are and as, as good as they are at doing uh, Boolean logic, are not very similar to the human brain. They're, they're not, they don't work quite in the same way that uh, human neurosynapses work. Um, to, to kind of elaborate on that point, computers are massively serial machines. So when, they, when they're working, they do operations sequentially, uh, linearly. They do, they do one thing, they finish it, then they do another. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a constantly running program, uh, shifting bits through the, through the bus, through the processor, shifting bits around that results in computation. That's the way that we've, we've designed computation to work because that's the way we can do it most easily with transistors, with you know, vacuum tubes before them, with relays before them. It's all about this, this binary linear process. The human brain is an almost completely different system. It's massively parallel. So at any given moment, your brain is, is doing a few million operations like uh, simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It's not necessarily multitasking, but it's just the task is a distributed kind of field of interactions between all of your synapses firing. So there's, there's no direct analog between what our brain does and uh, what a computer can do. And this is a problem, right? Because if we want to, you know, our, our efforts to repl- replicate intelligence have been um, basically to try to make a computer into something that it is not, to have a computer virtualize this, this very um, uh, difficult and dynamic structure of the human brain. And it's just, it's not good at it. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of processing power to get even, even basic uh, neuron type functions. Well, as they point out the quote um, from the article you're looking at, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> Watson, the computer that won Jeopardy not mm-hmm. too long ago, Needed 16 terabytes of memory, 90 servers, and 2,880 processor cords, and tons and tons of electrical power 
just to get around wordplay, yeah. as they say in the article. So it's one of those things that the old-fashioned way of doing this is not efficient as far as getting closer to the thing in your skull. Yeah. So, so the, the alternative is the, the IBM is starting to research <clears throat> a, what they call a neurosynaptic core. Um, they're trying to build a, a chip or a, a, you know, a functional system. You can't even, I, I don't think, really call it a, a chip because it's not, it's not anywhere, anything like... Um, it's more organic. Yeah, it's, well, it, it's, it's organic in structure, but they're still using, they're still using electronic components to make it. It just not putting them together in a way that it has that that's been done before, and and so the idea is to <clears throat> to kind of replicate the structure of the human brain, where you have a neuron which connects via a bunch of uh, synapses to other neurons, and it's this this network of of neurons that makes up what we what we think of as intelligence or you know thought or computing you know human computing power. And it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, they, they seem to be having some initial success with it. I hope that they continue to. They're apparently building this for DARPA, um, so uh, it's going into it's of course going into building Skynet. So well, yeah, but so did the internet. So I mean, we can't. I mean, internet was created by DARPA in the yeah, same way. Yeah. So. Yes, but remember, Kevin, that when Skynet arises, it will use the internet to mobilize. So it's all part of the same well, thing. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. so, so what? We've already accepted the internet as part of our evil overlord. Yeah. I mean, what's a little extra brain? <laughs> so, But I'm excited about this because uh, along with um, the, the sort of research really is the first time I've seen something going toward a real, like, human-style computer, which, which can approximate intelligence. Um, and so I was, I was kind of inspired by this article. I, I don't know, Simon, what were, your, what were your first thoughts upon reading it? Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't actually read it. Oh! Um, yeah, it's... I, I scanned it, I'll admit. It, it sounds like it's a step in the right direction, but... Then again, it could just you know blow up in our faces and be nothing. It could be another dead end, kind of like Memristers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Memristers were like the, the they were this thing like th- what we're talking about now. These these neurosynaptic cores, Memristers were supposed to be that like a couple of years ago, and that was well. If you want to go way back, um, Michael Crichton's novel, The Terminal Man, which I read almost unsuccessfully a few years ago. <laughs> um, I found it really boring. Published so, in 72. Published in 72. Wow. Um, and there's a small section of the book, mostly it's about a guy with electrodes in his brain that make him orgasm. Um, okay. And that's, that's more or less what it is. And, and there's some intrigue stuff that goes on. He's on the loose and he's going to kill somebody. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, there's a section in it where this, the guy who's sort of in charge of this whole project has, has his idealized timeline for when we'll have created an artificial brain, mm-hmm. like in the steps we need to go there, first interfacing with the human brain with electronics and going right. on from there. And by his estimations, we should have been there by the mid-90s. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, because science fiction's never been wrong. Well, no, I know, but, and, and, that's, and that's fair. But I just, I, 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 I'm using this to point out that we've expected to be really close to this for a very long time. Yeah. You know, Michael Crichton, say what you will about some of his opinions and his writing quality, attempts to usually put some solid science behind what he's doing, and he tries to stay as up-to-date as he can, which is why his books don't age well at all. Right. Um, 
this book does not age. Terminal Man, I fell asleep I, with multiple times, but <laughs> I, I take exception to. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about all of his work, but if you're going to talk about uh, Michael Crichton and predicting the future, tonight on 60 Minutes, their final story was about how close we are to being able to clone and resurrect extinct animals. Oh, yeah. Uh, I cannot wait to pet a saber-toothed tiger, personally. I want a dodo. <laughs> Just as a pet. Want a pet dodo. You want a pet dodo? Uh, you know what? When we, when we run out of gasoline, when we run out of gasoline, we're all going to ride Triceratops to work. I think that sounds like a great have. idea. Well, no, like that the answer... That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> no, the, the answer... The will be covered in poop. <laughs> Giant, massive dinosaur turds. Uh, I bet those stink to high heaven. No, no, that's I, that's the thing. Like once we run out of fossil fuels, the only answer, obviously, is to bring back the dinosaurs so they can rot in the earth again and get us more petroleum. Like, duh. Yeah, seventy million years from now, <laughs> we need to invent dinosaurs and time Wait. travel okay. so we can take them okay. back and put more in the ground. <laughs> well, how do you know we no. haven't already done that? I'm saying we need to keep doing it. Okay. <laughs> well, we found out that you know. Diamonds formed by having carbon under the earth under extreme pressure for a long time. And now we figured out how to speed up the process. So maybe if we had access to all these gigantic creatures again, maybe we could just, you know, turn them into slurry and try <laughs> to figure out how to speed up that process. We have resurrected dinosaurs for the sole purpose of putting them through a pressurizer and turning them back into oil. We should probably blend <laughs> them first. <laughs> Will it blend? <laughs> Let's try a velociraptor. <laughs> yeah. Don't breathe this. <laughs> I, I want... smoke. Oh, God. Also, I velociraptors... Wanna... Tiny little things. Tiny little. <laughs> little bitty. The movie was wide. They definitely fit inside of a blender. I want the, I want the little the little compies, the tiny, tiny little ones that look like little dinosaur fairies. Like those are those are awesome. Like I want one of those. Uh, if you get a swarm, it's bad news. But one of them one of them you can deal with. Mm-hmm. Hey, when are we gonna get dragons? When are we gonna breed dragons? Is that oh, gonna happen? See, they're never well, maybe. I mean if we can bring if we can bring dinosaurs back, I feel like Well it's not, it's not a matter of bring it back, because then we have a set of DNA that we can work from. Yeah. The idea yeah. with a dragon is you have to mod- work on genetic modifications, which aren't nearly to that point that's yet. That's really tough, yeah. Um, so I that's that's the difference. I mean, if we could do something like, and this is just spitballing here, mm-hmm. once we get the ability to replicate old DNA, we can start with dinosaur DNA and somehow run it through a series of speeded up mutations, just mm-hmm. replicating it millions of times in a row Yeah, until we get a replication before you have to understand what all DNA does, which we don't do anyway. Right. Um, finally, get a replica. Start getting mutations that we like, culling the ones we don't like as we get closer and closer to well, the a dragonized we, ideal. Well, that means we we would have to be able to precisely predict exactly what DNA will do. Well, that's what I'm saying. Based on we the have DNA, to, which yeah. which like, is theoretically possible. That's yeah. the idea. DNA does it. I don't, I don't DNA know. knows exactly what DNA is going to do. Yeah, yeah. I think there's it a, does. That's its job. There's a degree of chaos involved, though, <laughs> and this is and kind of winding our way back to intelligence. This is this is one of those things. It's just like there once you because because we're talking about like the neurosynaptic cores they're building have just like a few thousand connections. The human brain has what billions billions of connections. Um, I mean, it's just 
you know, 10 orders of magnitude greater. Um, okay, yeah, see, any humans, the human cerebral cortex alone contains at least 10 to the 10th neurons linked by 10 to the 14th synaptic connections. So that's uh, what <laughs> billion is not, no, million is nine, billion is 12. So it's like a couple of trillion connections. I mean, that's a shit ton of connections. That's like that's connections. way, way more than we're we're building with this chip right now. So we just have to make it really, really, really little. I mean, I, I'm personally I'm a big fan of emergence theory, which which in a nutshell says really intelligence. Yes, intelligence. Yeah. It's it's a form of identity theory, which is the you know what we identify as the human mind is the human brain in its in the pattern in which it's realized in human beings. And therefore, at a certain level of complexity, because, you know, we, we, we all see kind of intelligence as sort of a, a, a gradated scale across, uh, across biological life. At a certain level of, of complexity, you know, how when you stack up enough neurons and connect them to each other in, in the right way, um, and it may simply be a matter of quantity, it may not be as much a matter of pattern as we think, you get human intelligence, or you get intelligence, sentience, and that's one way to do it. We don't know if there are other ways to realize uh, sentience. We do know that the human brain is one way to do that. So I think it's a good thing that we're trying to replicate that way of creating artificial intelligence, of just replicating what we already know becomes intelligent. Well, you have a more detailed understanding of, of emergence theory than I have, so okay. I'll, I'll grant what? you that. Well, so, so I think this is it's getting at the idea, and um, one of the projects that I wanted to kind of bring up too and, and see what y'all think about is um, in, in parallel to, to trying to construct a um, to construct the, the, the neuron and that uh, synaptic structure um, artificially, folks are also working to, to map the connections of the human brain. Um, but they're not starting with the human brain. They're starting with mouse brains. And there's this one, uh, this one idea, which is the, the connectome theory. Um, <clears throat> well, a connectome, according to Wikipedia, is a comprehensive map of neural connections in the brain. It's essentially a brain map, um, which I guess I'm just repeating myself, but you get the idea. There are, are a few scientists, and I saw a TED Talk first that, that kind of turned me on to this, um, there are a few scientists attempting to do this for a mouse brain. So once you've, those are the two elements you need. Once you've, you've created a map of what you want to build and a way to build it, you can replicate a brain structure. Yes. Now, now I don't know theoretically. if, theoretically, right? Now I don't know if simply, you know, putting all this together and, Flipping, flipping a, a switch, switch. <laughs> will just, you know, result in, oh, look at that. We've got a mouse brain. Um, you know, and then it, you know what we got, Stephen? We have tiny robotic mice. <laughs> Who needs tiny robotic mice? Seriously. Um, Algernon, anyone? What? The, Flowers for the, Algernon. Algernon. Was Algernon the mouse? Yeah, Charlie was the dude. Yes. Okay. Hmm? It's been a while. Well, what is this? You never read Flowers for Algernon? No. Sad book that made you read in eighth grade? Eighth grade? Homeschooled. I, I was yeah. homeschooled. My mom, my mom didn't re- make me read anything. Well, it's about... Um, okay, we're going to... So, bad philosophy tra- tells you the classics from, you know, <laughs> my poor recollection of them. Um, uh, it, I, I actually saw the movie the other day. Um, yeah. There's a movie? Yeah, God. it's called Charlie. Yeah. I managed oh, to miss both actually, the book Actually, there's the movie. more than one movie. It's been made into a movie like three times. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm Googling this. A Dude and a Mouse are both... 
stupid. Um, the dude is no. The dude is um, well, mentally no, handicapped. I don't think we ever knew that the mouse was originally just well, stupid. It was. Well, it's just a mouse. Ma- it's not a smart mouse. <laughs> <laughs> they give them both a magic drug that makes the mouse and the dude smart again. Unfortunately, it's temporary, and at the end, they die. So, okay. But not before they lose all of their intelligence. Yeah, they get stupid, and then they die. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of... of Algernon was the mouse, Charlie was the dude. Gotcha. Well, speak, but, speaking but, of movies that explore this idea, right. go, go ahead, Simon. I was going to say, the, the, the point of it is, is once you know the guy became intelligent, he was able to tell the woman that was taking care of him that he loved her that he hmm. loved her and that's when he started losing his ability was that in the movie or was that in the book i don't remember that in the book yeah i mean he has he has a couple of relationships with yeah. a couple of women in the in the longer version of the book there's like a short story and then an expanded novel okay. and in the longer version of the book he has like a couple of relationships with different women including the one that he's like really in love with okay hmm. i clearly don't remember these sorts of things but okay. but eventually he leaves her because he can't stand like the way she's looking at him knowing that his intelligence is going down and like, he doesn't like the way she sees him anymore, so he leaves her before mm. he gets too bad, so she won't have to Interesting. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, um, one of the themes is the conflict between intellect and emotion or happiness, and how events in the past can influence a person later in life. So, I guess it's kind of the, it, it's questioning the limits of rationality and, and where emotion arises. In a way, um, yeah. Well, no, it's okay. it's more. Don't trust Wikipedia more, yeah. book summaries. Okay, <laughs> it's it's They're more the idea of, of um, you know, are are smarter people more or less happy? Like, are you are you just happier when your world is very small oh. and all you have to do is do your crap job and go home and eat and then you're happy? Or once you kind of understand like the full world, are you less? Oh, the um, oh God, is this the million? Million question, or did Kant look at this? I can I remember one, one or both of them addressed the idea, that idea. Um, what was it? Um, to be, it is better to be um, Socrates dissatisfied than a pig satisfied. Was that Kant? Yeah, something like that. I think that was Kant. Let me let me look this up. But yeah, it's it's kind of know, the, the same idea. Or, or was it the other way around? Yeah, it was John Stuart Mill. It is better to be a human being dissatisfied than a pig satisfied. So essentially, like, yeah, that, that sort of animal happiness was not worth it. Now, that's a rabbit trail that we could, we could definitely go down, but I, I kind of wanted to, to stay a little bit on the artificial intelligence part of it. <laughs> um, so, well, no, so I think it's relevant, here- though. So, so, you know, one of, the, one of the questions is, like, are, we're close to actually realizing this, like probably 20, 30 years out, the same way Michael Cretton predicted. <laughs> you know, I think 20, 30 years is a good, is a good time period. So, but eventually we're going to have to kind of wrestle with this. Like, what if, we, what if we make one of these connected systems and it asks, like, why, why, who am I or what am I? And it, it's become self-aware. Like, we're close to actually getting there. We're close to creating the first, you know, artificially created sentient intelligence. Um, I mean, that, that, that to me is just super inspiring. Like the fact that we're getting so close to that. But I don't know. Is it scary? Is it I'm, scary I'm going to ask that a question that I've just asked Cleverbot. Cleverbot didn't give me a good answer. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> does it really matter? 
if and, and here's a, here's a sort of question: Is there a difference between artificial intelligence that's that's real and artificial intelligence that's fake? And and sort of thing of, well, of the, you have the idea of the Turing test of yeah. creating a, a, a series of questions where one person A is a human, subject A is a human, subject B is a computer, or vice versa. Yeah, and they they are answering questions or something that are given to them. Any question given to them could theoretically be asked. And if someone, an outside observer, can't tell which is the human and which is the computer, that's the sort of idea behind the Turing test, that, mm. that you've created something akin to artificial intelligence. Yeah, but I think, I, okay, so I, I guess there are degrees of it, but, but Simon, you brought up one article that, that was kind of interesting that, that, brings, that speaks to this point. Um, some San Antonio radio station, KROV, I guess, uh, yeah. they essentially bought a, an artificial intelligence structure or program called Denise, um, oh, uh, or is it commonly referred to text to type? Yeah, and it's it's they're essentially using it as their DJ for. <laughs> well, how do you pay off the, the digital DJ to get your songs on the radio? Oh, the entire yeah. system is collapsing. I no know. Right? Yeah, um, but it's it's like okay, so how many listeners to this radio station are going to go? Oh, well, this this you know DJ plays kind of the same stuff, you know, I guess they're all right. Or maybe they just won't even care at all. Like, they'll just be listening to the radio and they won't even realize that what they're listening to is just a, a synthetic AI regurgitating. But, but that's, that's what's on the radio anyway. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing that, you know, since DJs are, are a personality, and they're, you know, yeah. that's what you listen for. You listen for someone to talk, you know, and tell you the news and tell it to you in a, in a way that you can relate to. Um, that's that's the DJ's job. It's not really to play music anymore. It's, it's to talk in between the music breaks. Which I never so, got. It's like if I, I'm listening to the radio to listen to music, not to listen to somebody yak. So, yeah. Unless you're listening but, to talk radio. <laughs> okay, which I don't, willingly. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. The vast majority of radio audiences actually listen to hear the personality. So mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. But, uh, so, you know, I'm going to... I want you to open up Terminal on your on your Mac, Steve. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't have a Mac. Okay. And I want you to type "say," and then "hello, this is Ray, this is Stephen Torrance." Mm-hmm. You have to put you it in quotes, quotes, right? No, you don't put it in quotes. Oh really? Okay. I put it in quotes. That way, he says it in a mocking voice. Hello, <laughs> this is Stephen Torrance. This is Stephen Torrance. Yeah, so it, it's just spoken back to me, and I'll, I'll have to like I'll have to insert it into the audio. Um, yeah. Insert audio, but, but that's what it sounded like on the air. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's you, just stupid. You need to you need to hear something, Kevin. Um, Are you going to do Droid? Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually not quite right. You must have done it wrong. Um, My phone sounds different. Sorry. <laughs> but what I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like. No. It's not really artificial <laughs> intelligence, what they, but it's something they claimed was artificial intelligence. Well, so they're lying. Yeah, and they basically wrote up a script for, and did what Steven just did. But I can do that. I mean, yeah. I can't write a script for it, but I can do what Steven just did and pretend I to be artificial well, intelligence. I mean, look at what they built the, the thing for at first. Mm. It was that to right. answer That's phone right. calls. I, I have a drawer. 
<laughs> you make appointments and stuff, which is all script. I mean, that's all you, you no, need. Yeah. I mean, the, the article talks about that, too. It's like, all right, everything she says is still scripted. Like, it's all still written by a human being, but it's just kind of implemented by this, quote, artificial intelligence. So, and, you know, there's... Because the phone. That's what I want to know. I think so. That's what the original thing was built to do, um, which is kind of neat. But, you know, it's still not... I don't consider that to be AI of the sense that, that we're really talking about. Like, that's not intelligence. That, that's, I don't know, that, that's, that's an algorithm. That's a, that's a really sophisticated um, algorithm. And so are the functions that you would put into robotics, in my opinion. Those are, those yeah. are condition-based algorithms that approximate what we might consider to be intelligence. They, they are, you know, extrapolated from Boolean logic, essentially. But as we all know, while the brain is kind of based around those concepts, we don't make decisions completely, totally rationally based on Boolean logic or even an extrapolation thereof. Um, the human brain is something completely different. If anything, so we're, we're, we virtualize in our brains, I think, the process of doing Boolean logic, the same way that we were trying to get computers, which do Boolean logic exclusively, to virtualize the process of doing I like to get the idea thought. of getting yeah. computers to do fake Boolean logic. Because <laughs> <laughs> theoretically, when we've created this, well, that will be the goal. Right. Is we can make them do fake Boolean logic, where they can create their own computers inside <laughs> their heads. And that's meta. Well... That would wouldn't be, that be cloud computing? I don't, I don't no. know. I don't think so. No, it wouldn't, yeah. Steve Simon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, re- regardless, I, I think we're going to have to grapple with the prospect of true artificial sentience in our lifetimes. Personally, cool. I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm really excited about it. But tell me, like, from y'all's perspective, would you, would you embrace, like, having... I don't know, a receptionist in your office or, um, you know, even, even a manager who is an artificial intelligence, you know, would you, would you work for or with a, a created sentience? Would yeah. you, would you trust one? Like, <laughs> Much as I trust well, anybody else. That, yeah. Why not Simon? I'm going to say this. Um, you consider it still artificial intelligence if it's limited by something like Asimov's three laws? Well, I don't know. If, okay, so assuming it's even possible to do such a thing, <laughs> if, if, we could, if we could codify the, the idea that one cannot do this thing and you know, put it into a brain structure, which I think would, would require another hundred years of study. Like, okay, it's, it's, one thing, it's one thing to copy a structure it's another to modify it in a deliberate way, which is, is kind of what we were talking about earlier with the DNA. So it's like, it's one thing for us to be able to copy and replicate this thing that we know that we've mapped. It's another thing to understand it and understand the structure and the, the functionality behind it and then make changes that do predictable things. So I think we're, very, we're far away from doing that. But if we're just able to replicate a human intelligence... And, and train it in the same way that might, one might grow a human brain. Uh, that's another question. All right, so, so how, do you imbue, how do you imbue a structure with intelligence? Hook it up to the internet. <laughs> it was like Watson. Yeah. Stick a scuzzy cable in its mouth. 
that's how you imbue something with porn, a Kevin. Not fiber optic cables. <laughs> also, ass, yeah. if anybody who listens to this gets the SCSI cable on the mouse the reference, I will give you three dollars. How about a three dollar bill? No. Okay. I'll give you three one dollar bills. Do you care to, to tell us quarters. where the reference comes from? Well, no, because I, I want it to be a surprise. I want oh, people okay. to actually like. I want somebody out there. To share a kindred spirit with me and have the same thought in my mind when I talk about a scuzzy cable in the mouth. I don't think it's something Google will be able to pull up. Okay. Um, You're challenging Google. This is this is bold. <laughs> How dare you challenge Google? It's, it's an exceptionally obscure reference. Um, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not finding it. I'm say, I don't think it's something that, that, I mean, it's potentially you'll find it in Google. Because um, <laughs> Google knows almost everything. But I don't think Google knows this. It's 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 not giving me it's not giving me good. It's putting it in the computer context. Yeah. So it's it's un, it's really unable. So this is a good example. Like okay, if you heard, it's like putting a SCSI cable in the mouth, and you, you asked like, where do you think that comes from, Google? <laughs> and then and then it tells you, are you, do you want to buy SCSI cables? Like that's okay. That's an algorithm. What that's, is leg? That's, that's not <laughs> that's not artificial intelligence at all. Um, but if I search like SCSI cable in the mouth quote, nope, still same stuff. Well, that's, it's, the thing is I didn't make a direct quote, and that's what I, I made an inference. <laughs> I made a reference to something that somebody else will have to infer having experienced the same stimulus that I have, keeping it vague what it's from. Okay. So see, uh, maybe that's not something that you can train even an artificial intelligence to do. It's not something you could train a human well, to do. We, we they, trained Watson to do it, though. Because Watson yeah. took references to things and cr- gave the correct answer. Although most I think of the they time. were still pretty keyword based. Well, or they were no, it was a, no. If you if you watch the special, it was about building relationships between words. Yeah, yeah, and knowing keyword all the various things. relationships. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and, that and was remember that that a lot of the the Jeopardy categories are some kind of wordplay to begin with. Yeah, and so it's kind of hard. Like one of the things he had to do was, you know, like some of those were, was like, you know, having what, like one letter be like the first letter of the, the word. Yeah. That's the answer. And all, but not understanding the category that the answer has to start with that letter, he would give out, you know, several answers before realizing from other stimulus, like other players answering and all of their answers starting with F and F being in the the category title. Then he would put together, oh, my, my answer needs to have an F in it. You know? You're trying to, Kevin is trying to, to get Cleverbot to actually give a clever response, but it's, well, I've I've broken Cleverbot on more than one occasion in the mm. past. Sorry, really? I, I've broken excuse me Netflix. while I ignore a phone call. I don't think it's hard to break Netflix. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean Cleverbot's uh, fun to play with because as long as you're like trying to talk to it, it tries to talk back. But if you feed it nonsense, it, it just, gets really confused. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't I don't know what to say to these things. Although you can sometimes, depending on the song, quote its song lyrics and it will sing with you. Oh, um, it will give you the lyrics back. But it has to be like a common song. Yeah, it can do it with stuff like uh, I think Sweet Caroline did it. Um, there's a couple others. Okay. I can't believe there are eleven thousand people talking to Cleverbot right now. That's how do you know that? It says it underneath Cleverbot. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Kevin's not a very clever bot. 
I don't have to be clever. I got bots to do it for me. <laughs> so, okay, well, there's, there's okay. an interesting question. Yeah, Kiki, where, where were you going to go with that? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it's like the, the study that, that they've been talking about recently, that now that we have Google, we don't tend to remember stuff as long as we think we'll be able to find it easily in the future. They took a bunch of people and they told them to type facts into a computer and they told one group that the facts would be saved on the hard drive. And they told another group, like, oh, you're typing it in, but the computer's not going to save it. And when they questioned, and they were all, like, stupid stuff, like an ostrich's eye is bigger than its brain or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, a little random stuff that it's kind of easy to remember. And uh, they, they found that when they asked people questions about the facts afterwards, those that were told the computer would store it remembered nothing pretty much about what they had typed in. But the people who had been told like, Oh, you're typing it in, but the computer's not going to remember this. The, um, then they remembered facts off the thing and that they've discovered that people are, are doing that more and more with stuff that they know for a fact, they'll be able to find easily on Google. See, you know, like, people are not remembering phone numbers anymore because yeah. it's, it's always going to be stored in your cell phone. You're always going to have it with you. Mm-hmm. And they're not remembering birthdays because, well, Facebook will tell me. And they're, you know... Yeah, but I was terrible at those things before Facebook and yeah. computers. I, I, was ter- <laughs> I was terrible, too. But they're finding that people, on average, are, are less likely to remember kind of everyday things that we used to commit to memory. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with that, though. Like, if it allows us to do more with the rest of our computing power than with the rest of our brains, which are, that, that's the thing, is we, part of our brains are both memory and processing all the time. Like, memory is a constantly created structure. Like, whenever we remember something, we're, we're not just, like, accessing some old file cabinet. We're actually recreating that event in our minds uh, based on a structure that, that exists, you know, deep within our, our mind somewhere. Um, I, I, and, and I'm all right with that. So, like, I'm okay with not storing or, or not, not having to use a bunch of my, my brain's capacity for, uh, you know, remembering mundane facts if I can just access those things on Google. So it, it becomes more about us, us as, a, as a having access to intelligence versus having to generate intelligence and store everything on our own. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, to be able to, you know, memorize the entirety of, uh, you know, an, an oral history for a culture and then still be able to, to do other things with our minds. Like, we, there's the point at which we're just, we, we kind of, you know, we do fill up. I mean, it's, not, it's not the same for any particular person. It's not a, a consistent process. But we, we have a general idea that that happens. So, you know, personally, I'm all right with it. <laughs> well, I think the idea that kind of, that Kevin was joking about was like, okay, if, if we already know that this process is happening, that humanity kind of as a whole has kind of silently agreed that I don't need to remember crap anymore because a computer will do it for me. Uh, what else might we in the future as computers get better and better say like, you know, I don't need to be clever. I have bots to do it for me. You know I mean? What, what other parts of kind of, intrinsically you know human things might we say like oh well that's that's not important now because we have robots to do it for it's us. interesting in, in the um, in the uh, series I'm reading right now the the void trilogy uh, by oh, come on what's the guy's name 
See, Boy, you don't remember because you have Google to tell you. Well, no, I also I never look at the the book author <laughs> Peter F. Hamilton. Peter F. Hamilton, I knew that, or did I? Uh, Peter F. Hamilton's Void trilogy. He it's it takes place about fifteen hundred years in the future from from a you know a common starting point of like our our history, and um, one of the the things that's advanced in human society is you know just the use of bots for everything like there there are made bots and cooking bots and um you know all the these menial tasks are just done by robots uh, not sentient robots but just you know they they call them restricted intelligences or ris um and and it's 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 like things like creating a a gourmet meal that are considered, you know, pieces of knowledge and culture and, and sophistication now and done by people that get paid money are done by robots. Um, you know, auto, vehicles are auto, all automated. Construction is all automated. It's, you know, everything just kind of shifts to, to higher and higher tasks. Um, and they actually have a segment of, of society called higher culture where they've figured out how to link their minds together in this, this huge, uh, this basically like a group intelligence construct, um, where everybody sort of has individual minds, but they it all just exist in of, one. Um, post singularity. It is. It's, it's actually very like part of the society is post singularity. Part of it isn't. And there's an interest. It's interesting how they like interact with each other and how it's kind of seen as arrogant for people to go higher and, you know, download into the, uh, into what they call ANA. Um, Speaking of, um, if you haven't, you should re- uh, re- read post singular. Okay. Um, it's, it's a good novel. I put it up in the library a while ago by uh, Rudy Rucker. He's got a second one too, but I haven't read it called the Hylozoic. 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 But um, post singular is a really interesting look at um, what a post singular world would look like. Okay. Um, and is it kind of like that? It's like part people well, who have, it's, have it's ascended of, and then part folks who have. It's sort of, right? you can. Mm-hmm. Um, privacy no longer exists because the, 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 the singularity he's sort of dealing with. Um, is that nanotechnology exists, and we almost had a gray goo situation, but it didn't. It was sort of a different thing, mm-hmm. and so it sort of got stopped. But everything is covered with an incredibly small layer of networked nanobots. Cool. Invisible. Mm-hmm. But you can tap into it and interact with it, and so you can know everything that's happening all over the world. Um, but you have, to be, you have to focus on things. And so, like, celebrities, like, it's, it, in some ways, it's taken reality to a different level or reality stars to a different level because you just watch them doing stuff and they get money for it. You can pay them for it if you like things they do. Yeah. But there's also sort of this networked computer that you can tap into whenever you want and gain access to more information about um, and, and do, you know, it helps you think and you help it think. Yeah. Um, it's I think they call it the big pig. Um, there's a similar construct in, in the Peter F. Hamilton universe called the SI. Okay. So the first, the first sentience intelligence mm-hmm. Basically, once it realizes its sentience, just kind of goes off on its own. And in the uh, in the in the uh, in the novel series, it has its own planet where it has built itself like more computing structures. That's cool. So it's just like a whole planet that's just one giant brain, huh. <laughs> um, and it just kind of it doesn't really involve itself in human affairs too much. It just it just kind of sits on its planet and thinks all the time. So. <laughs> I thought it was a great character, but yeah. um, I'm gonna I'm gonna 
interjects, you know, my yes, two come on, Simon. On uh, your first off, you were talking about you know how we're forgetting to do things. Well, uh, the same man who tackled artificial intelligence early on, Asimov, mm-hmm. uh, talked about that in the the Foundation series. Um, no spoilers, so this, please. I'm still making my way through it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, only, I'm only about halfway but, through Foundation and Empire, so if there's anything before that, feel free to spoil. Well, and and you know that what where where Foundation Empire is right now, it's kind of you know, billions of years into the future. Yes. And the way that they handle, you know, libraries and things like that is they have these massive amounts of data. They don't always have the ability to store everything, so they just delete stuff. Yeah. And they're at a point where they've they've forgotten where Earth is. Earth is just a myth. It's mm-hmm. not a real place. People sort of talk about this sort of thing that might have been. Hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, and then as you, the, the Empire's basically falling apart because you know not only do they don't know where the roots are they're starting to lose you know medical information so you know the common cold starts wiping out you know an entire city because they don't know how to treat the common cold <laughs> wow uh, and then another great one is is a little japanese series ghost in the shell yeah uh, you know they talk more about the nature of the soul but as you talk about, you know, humans augmenting themselves with robotic parts, you know, do they do they still have a soul? And do robots who then become self-aware do, do do they have, you know, kind of the philosophical soul in them? Yeah, well, I I think I think most most reductionists and most uh, philosophers who think along the the same lines as I do, most identity theorists will kind of chuckle at the idea of a soul at all. <laughs> um, they see it as, as having a strong religious connotation, you know, very, very superstitious in nature. And that, you know, the idea of a mind um, it can be separate from a soul. Like a soul is not, is not necessary for intelligence. Um, and it's just something that people have kind of constructed as, as a, you know, as wishful thinking um, so that, that intelligence can persist and that, you know, truly, and this this is one of the things that that is explored in, in uh, Peter F. Hamilton's novels. Um, the idea of immortality becomes true because not only have they discovered rejuvenation of the body, where the the human body itself never dies, but folks have the have the ability to just download their entire mind into a perpetual Which is system. The idea of singularity, sort of, yeah, incarnate. Um, it is. It is. You know, we have made heaven. Uh, and we've made it better than we ever imagined it could be. Um, and I, I can, I can see glimpses of that in what's, what's actually out there and what's being researched. I hope it doesn't happen just, you know, for our sake as a race, but I think it might. And, um, it's, it's weird how, you know, we, we as an intelligent species have only been around for a few hundred thousand years, right? A couple hundred thousand, maybe close to a million, but. Yeah, close to well. I'd say I think Homo uh, sapiens only been around a couple hundred thousand. A couple hundred thousand years, yeah. I mean that right. is such I mean, Homo a erectus and all those. And, well, and, you know that goes to what is human. And the entirety know. of you know technological human civilization uh, is a few thousand years old, maybe ten, twenty thousand. Uh, I'd say start yeah. with agriculture. Yeah. ten thousand. Ten thousand years old on the order of. And we're already but wouldn't start with writing or something. Uh, you know, yeah. the actual recording so, of historical I'd events. St- I'd start with agriculture. 
we're we're definitely we're either in the next thousand years or so we're either going to destroy ourselves or we're going to hit the point that that Peter F. Hamilton is and and uh, Ray Kurzweil and everybody are kind of predicting, which is this this kind of singularity thing. And I don't think it'll happen like anybody has predicted. Um, I think it's going to be messy more than anything because it, it always seems like human progress is just a it's messy. <laughs> it's never quite. Hey, there's this wonderful technology that we invent and everybody has it. You know, it's it's always sort of this. All right, the privileged have it first, so there's going to be like, you know, the elite will will go sentient, will go singularity. The population that doesn't have washing machines. Yeah, like I mean, I think that's sad, but I think I think that's a, that's a good backing for what you're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess in that way, it will sort of happen, like Peter F. Hamilton writes about, because that, that's sort of how it is. Like the inner worlds, like Earth, is all higher society so it's just like this it's it's the uh, artificial neural uh, network or whatever it is um and then the farther you go out from earth the like farther you back go uh or farther back you go in in kind of technological advancement and availability so you get like the fringes have market economies but the insides have you know they don't they don't do a capitalist style economic system and um you know, bio uh, augmentation is more common the, the more you get on the inside. And I think it'll be that way. Like, we're starting to see, like, the folks who can afford it will get bio augmentation. Um, and I think Ooh, the folks... another book to add to the list. Mm-hmm. I think it's Machine Man. Uh, Not to be confused with Machine Girl. Or Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Which is nothing like the story it stole its title from. <laughs> if you watch the movie, they claim... It's based on the Stephen King story. Uh-huh. The Stephen King story is about a satyr who mows your lawn by eating the grass. Okay. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great story. It's a good story. It. He's a lawnmower man. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the movie? <laughs> it's about a guy with a lawnmower who kills people? No. Okay. <laughs> it's about virtual yeah, reality with really bad graphics. Okay. It's like... VR Troopers meets Flowers for Algernon <laughs> with worse graphics. I'm bonus kidding. points for the VR Troopers reference, by the way. Yeah. Did you just give yourself bonus points? Yes. Okay. I don't think that's fair, but... Somebody had to do it. <laughs> Bling! Uh, yeah, it's oh, Machine Man by Max Berry. Speaking of bonus points looking, and... What? I'm looking at pictures from VR Troopers and I'm like... <laughs> the show and oh my god yeah can you please can also you google, I, uh, I, I beetleborgs would be useful oh god yeah VR troopers and beetleborgs were both made by Saban the same company that did Power Rangers <laughs> but were much less successful <laughs> you know it's almost like they just they just milked it like we've got oh, these, uh, these little robot models what do we do yeah I beetleborgs know, let's, let's well the thing is all of them were made by this in the same way Power Rangers, even up to this day, they take the, sh- the footage from the Japanese Saban programs yeah. and add American actors. <laughs> and, and it was an incredibly successful thing. They're still doing it. That's how successful it is. Wait, you mean they didn't actually shoot new footage of them in the Power Ranger costumes? No. Oh Holy God. all the Japanese stuff. Holy yeah. sh- You just that's, blew my mind. My, dude. Like, seriously. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? Uh, when You'll see a huge morphed? shift in quality. What? Yeah. Well, now, and uh, also, occasionally like, they would film like, new stuff, but only very rarely. Oh my god! Yeah, remember Whoa. when they would when they would like they would morph and they would always be like in the middle of a park 
or in the mountains somewhere yeah. in California. And then they would morph. And as soon as they show them in their costumes, they're in the middle of a city. <laughs> and you're like, wait, how did they get to the middle yeah, of the city? How did they just morph right where they... And it's, it's, and it's because... Like they're using the they're using the Japanese footage, and the Japanese footage was always set inside a city. Now, the fact that you never noticed this, Stephen, says they did a pretty yeah. darn good job of it. I was and, a child. And, 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 well, that's I mean, the thing. And and you go back and you watch it, and you're kind of aware of it. And even if you're aware of it, you can kind of say, "Oh, can I see that?" But I've been rewatching Power Rangers, and for the most part, it's I'm, on Netflix. Yes, it's yeah. on Netflix. Oh, all God. of it. Um, that and Star Trek means I never have to leave my apartment again. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, they, I will say, they did a surprisingly good job, at least in the early seasons, what I've been watching recently, of mixing the two. Like, for the most part, you can't tell. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if you didn't know, so other than the drop in film quality. Yeah. Um, but they actually integrate a lot of the stuff pretty darn well. Oh, God. Um, the one thing I did notice when I was younger was that Rita Repulse's voice never matched her mouth. Yeah. That bothered because was, she was dumb. Was, huh. Yeah, that was the, the first... However, the like uh, Zed they made just for the American show. With the, yeah, the later villains they yeah. they, they just and, and that's the why Rita changes. That's why they have like two different actresses mm-hmm. for Rita is because they they needed Rita back, but they couldn't use yeah. old footage and add Zed in, so they just hired a new Rita. But wow. with all of this sort of stuff, um, VR Troopers and Big Bad Beetleboards is the full title of it. Um, it was the same concept. There was this show with the, all this Japanese fight footage that yeah. they could dub over, and they did. And so they made, and I don't know if the original stars are, but they made VR Troopers and Big Bad Beetleboards. So and it, at it, one point in time, all three of these shows were on the air at the same time. What the hell? And I watched them all. What the hell? And, and Big Bad Beetleboards, you can kind of see it here. Their, their Zordon, yeah. the guy who helped them, was a vampire. Oh, God. For no particular reason. Okay. Um... Um, yeah. Wow. This just next. You're going to tell me like the magic school bus was made by Austrians or something? Like <laughs> we can find no, out. The don't the don't ruin his don't ruin his his dreams about the magic. You're going to tell me Lavar like, Burton is Canadian? I'm, yeah, I'm never going to go. Lavar Burton is Canadian. Yeah. yeah. I just made that up. Well. Oh no! What? Seriously, is LeVar Burton Canadian? Yeah, totally. Oh, God, what? No, I'm lying. He's not. Okay. <laughs> God damn you, Kevin Saunders. But, but the rest of us were fully willing to go along with that joke. Just because you took it so hard. Oh. Uh, I'm pretty sure the no, Magic School Bus is not Dutch. Or... Personally, on Bad Philosophy, we crush all of Stephen's dreams. Join us, won't you? Dude, there's a frack ton of books. Oh, for what? I would, I would actually listen was. to that oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. There's tons. Oh, yeah. well, they've got the original series and they've got chapter books. Excuse me? The Magic School Bus does not go into chapter books. Yeah. I'll stick with the original series. Thank you. Which is actually horrible. I've rewatched a little bit. No, I was talking years. about the books, not the... Okay. The original books are great. Oh. Uh, well, speaking, speaking of uh, television that is absolutely terrible for uh-huh. you, mm-hmm. um, has anyone ever seen Wrestling Society X? No. No. But I have been rewatching the first season of Survivor. <laughs> what? I have it on DVD. It's pretty good. <laughs> Survivor is one of my guilty pleasure shows. Oh, it is. God. Okay, I can under I can understand somebody watching Survivor or like okay, my dad is into all this stuff. Survivor, Big Brother, like all of these like competition reality uh-huh. shows. 
But what's the rewatch value on that? Um, Honestly, like, I'll be honest with you. There actually is some, at least with the first season of Survivor, because A, I haven't seen it in a freaking long time. Yeah. Um, but B, it's a really interesting show to watch when you know everything, because the first season of Survivor was unique in that they knew who won by the time the show started airing. Yeah. They no longer do that. Now they don't. No, don't relieve, re, They don't show the way. They don't real reveal. Nobody knows who the winner is until the live reveal of the actual. Okay. F- live finale. So they, they keep they it a lot of differently. Like they, they cut it differently because they knew that. Okay. And so the producers who were editing it knew from the very first episode on that Richard Hatch was going to win, and mm-hmm. they knew other things were going to happen. And they do know all of that anyway for up until the winner. Is he the, the host and later? No. Okay. No, Jeff Probst yeah. is always the host. Okay. Right. And he's the best reality TV host on TV, right. um, in my opinion. But Richard Hatch wins. And what's great about this, and this is something I learned, I watched the first episode this morning. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I saw this when it happened. I remembered that it happened because I made a note of it when I was watching it live to begin with. Not that Richard Hatch. <laughs> there are two Richard Hatches. I need to point this out. There's the one from Battlestar Galactica who I met at Comic-Con. Uh, then there's the Richard Hatch from Survivor who won Survivor the first season and didn't pay his taxes on it and had to go to jail. And is also gay, apparently. And, yes, he's and, also gay. But according who cares? To Google. And, no, he is. Oh, he's, he is. He's okay. openly out. Yeah. It's on oh. the show. Um, what? He's he's out. He was out on Survivor. Oh, like right. he he made it. He, it was funny because he made an alliance. With, oh, that Richard, not the not the not the Battlestar Galactica. No, Richard. Survivor Richard. No. Hatch Survivor is gay. Richard Hatch is gay. I don't think the Battlestar Galactica Richard Hatch is gay. But anyway, okay. No. On the very first episode, now I'm getting a call. Um, oh, fuck! It's my job. I have okay. To this. Hello. What's I want to say is an aside. The, the the other Richard Hatch is really cool. Just I'm just going to say that, that Kevin just answered the this phone. Is getting a job. This is him getting a job. I don't know what's happening, but he looks concerned. Um, his <laughs> job will be to clean up animal remains on the side of the road. He has a really long bin, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> Where did he apply for a job? To I you? don't know. You don't have to whisper. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> You're on headphones. <laughs> Am I? I forget. <sighs> just, just, I don't know, just flush the toilet or something. <laughs> now on Bad Philosophy, everyone whispers for an entire episode. Join us, won't you? Hello, everyone. Welcome in. What? <laughs> I wasn't serious. You didn't actually have to flush the toilet. I just have to say. I think I killed Kiki because she couldn't breathe. That's awesome. Wait, killing me is awesome? No. That's not nice. Flushing the toilet. Flushing the toilet. Oh, yes. Kids, kids, remember flushing the toilet is also is always awesome. This is an automated system, right? So I can yeah. actually just be talking. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the point I was trying to make? What was I talking? about? I don't remember. <laughs> I could totally distract. Put the people back in. Rich, something about Richard Hatch. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Kiki. Richard Hatch on Survivor, the Survivor Richard Hatch. They knew it was going to win the very first episode. Right. By the time the first episode aired, he had won. Okay. Um, and there's a great scene, literally ten minutes into the first episode, where Richard Hatch says in one of the um, confessional sort of cameras. That's him. That's Richard. Um, says to the camera in one of the confessionals, you know, I've already won this thing. The ten thousand, the million dollar check is already written out to me. Which is, which I noticed when I was watching the show. Because yeah. I, I watched the show pretty religiously. I, I started with the first episode and watched at least the first three or four seasons continuously. Hmm. And I said, I'm going to pick him just because he's cocky enough to do it. Yeah, he was naked on the show too. Yeah, um, literally cocky. But yeah. he, on his birthday, he wore his birthday suit. Oh, it's in it's one of the episodes. Uh, it's uh, funny. Uh, uh, um, yeah. But he did win, and so like going back and knowing that, I'm like, that's a really clever move on their part. It is it's sort of a subtle thing. Yeah. Um, and of course, I know who's getting voted off next, and so I, I watch how they create the personas because mm-hmm. the things you see on reality TV aren't real. Everybody knows right, that. Right, it's all created right. to tell a story. Yeah. And so knowing what's going to happen, I can analyze it in a very different way. And so I watch it differently. I, mean, I don't care who wins. I know who wins. But I care to see how the story is created. And because I do structural dramaturgy, oh. that's really interesting to me. Okay. All right. So I'm like, oh, this is really cool. It's like, oh, I remember him. Oh, they, they really, they're playing him in a bad light. He's going to go, he's going to be second place. That's really cool. And so, you know, so Richard Hatch, I mean, it, it's all really interesting. Okay. So to answer that, there actually is some rewatch value in um, reality shows, if you're me. Mm. See, all I can think about now, like, I wonder if there's Richard Hatch on Richard Hatch slash Vic. <laughs> well, now you have to look. Yeah. Let's, I, let's Google this. Rule 34. <laughs> um, lately, I, I saw a great macro that just lately in Doctor Who, the Doctor has been has been naming rules for some reason. Mm. Like, oh, well, rule number one is this, and rule number 40 is that. Oh. It's just kind of an odd thing. Wait, on the show? Uh, like, on the show, oh. yeah. It's like in the dialogue on the show now. Interesting. And, Has he done 34 and, yet? <laughs> and, and so some, somebody actually, like, did a macro of all the rules he's quoted on the show, and then at the end, for no reason, uh, Jack Harkness appears and goes, what's rule 34, Doctor? And everybody just stares at him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we've strayed so far from the topic that I think it's only appropriate to uh, to just put this show out of its misery. Um we're going to take the show out back and shoot it in the head now. <laughs> yes. I think, it, I think the show has become self-aware, so we should definitely, <laughs> definitely end it before it takes over the world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, Simon, thanks for coming on again. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that, that all you got to do really was just flush a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I normally do? I think that's – well, did you, did you actually – It's become a trend. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened three times. That makes it a trend. Yeah. Four times. Um, four times. At least. Four times? Has it happened? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. You're counting. In episode 100. Okay. Oh, well, that's right. Because I've totally edited that and posted it by now. Oh, yeah. It was Boink. a episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> that Love. post-show song? Incredible. And, like, uh, just the tightness of the... I don't think we did. Well, no. You haven't we, edited them yet, so that's a surprise. <laughs> no, what are you talking about, Kevin? Of course I posted no, he's it. No, totally I totally, I totally... <laughs> Shut up, Kevin. I totally... That's right. They're listening to this in the future. Yeah. I totally used the, the intro song from episode zero, because in episode zero, I used that as the post-show song, too. So, 
I would totally do that as an homage to the first episode. But you already have so. totally done that. Yeah, the last I, episode. Yeah, I totally, heard already. Totally. I, totally. Totally. All right, we're totally done with this. Uh, <laughs> Simon, it's been totally awesome having you on the show again. I hope you have a totally good time with your totally rad Stanford class. An episode title. Okay. I think Kevin has an episode title, so hurry up and, and get out of here so we can hear it. <laughs> Simon. Simon is not allowed to. Bye, Simon. That's fine. <laughs> Why am I being kicked off? I don't know. We're not. We're not actually kicking off. I'm just. I'm being facetious. Uh, Simon, where's a good place for people to to find you on the interwebs or elsewhere? Just at just at SimonPonder.net. Sweet. And Twitter.com/slash Lanier or whatever it is. If you're in the San Antonio area, are there still uh, Twitter or tweet ups? What do we? <laughs> what were those Twitter gatherings people used to have? Tweet ups. That's right. You know, there's, there's, uh, it's actually more organized now. It's the social media, it's business media PR oh. so bumper. So it's not actually, it's gone beyond Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. I mean, they always have, you know, free ice skating events or, you know, right. crap like that. Because that's like saying, hey, we're going to use this new awesome technology to increase communication ability in the workforce. It's called email, everybody. Oh, oh, God, isn't it great Jesus, that we're using no. we're, We are totally leveraging email. <laughs> Anyways. Um, hey, remember Google Wave? Oh, yeah. Uh, Google, Google Wave, Wave was a neat idea that was poorly implemented. No, I don't think it was even a neat idea. I thought it was a neat idea. Yeah. It was a neat idea that was never going to work. Because well, that's fine. Yeah, it never worked. It wasn't I such thought a, it was a neat idea. It was, it was you used it to gloss a song with somebody from halfway across the country before you did a video of it. It's true, but we ended up just doing most of it when he came in. So, Yes, but it would have worked really well for that had you thought about it. Had you actually done it. Yeah, well, well, which we did. We did part of it, but we did like 90% of it once he was actually there in person. So, Anyways, Kiki... Thank you also for being on the show. Um, I hope you get better because being sick sucks. And we don't yeah. want you to die except yeah. for from laughter. Um, yeah. Kevin, twitter.com slash Kevson. I'll just, I'll just say it for you since you're here. Um, Sorry, I was talking to Cleverbot. Okay. The number of people has gone down to 12,000. Cleverbot? That's not, that's, oh. not dead. <laughs> um, well, so... I can't count! <laughs> On that note, um, we hope you all all have had a wonderful time listening to this episode. And if you haven't, I'm sorry, you'll never get that hour of your life back. Um, but we hope you'll come back next time and listen to us again on Bad Philosophy. Philosophy.com. The technology is working. <laughs>